Hi, this is Ed Parks, and you're listening to the CVH Podcast. Master Ed, great guy. Good morning. Good morning. It's Monday, April 12th. I'm doing it early in the morning today. It's unlike me, but there's a lot of stuff going on. Once you once you let a realtor into your home, like if you've invited them over, like, you know, let's have a discussion. We're thinking about selling our house. Once you invite them into your home, you have you have started something you can't stop. Uh, realtors are a very special breed of person, and um, I think I think the <laughs> it takes a certain personality to walk in and just start making things happen. This is like um, you know they're an agent in a way. All of a sudden, the phone is flying, papers are going everywhere, numbers are being tossed out. You know, all this stuff is just happening quick. It's quick. But as we've learned, and I don't think this is too much of a surprise to anyone, the market is absolute insanity right now. And there must be some severe lack of housing after COVID because people are going nuts uh, uh, buying homes. In in my area, which is like pretty rural, uh, she said she was averaging a sale in four days. Listed on Thursday, sold by Sunday. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, people are, my realtor said that people are buying home sight unseen, like just looking at photos and they're like, yeah, we'll take it. Like, <laughs> excuse me. It's like you can buy a house on Amazon now. Just like look at a few photos and say, yeah, I'll take that one. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's hard to get my head around actually. People are paying, uh, a, a premium over your asking price because you have several offers and, um, you know, good for the seller, but (laughs) excuse me, I don't know anybody who's selling and not immediately buying. So however you do selling your home, you're just going to dump it into the, uh, overpriced next place. (laughs) It's kind of a wash. You're like, Oh great. It's a seller's market, but I'm also a buyer. So The world will figure out a way to balance you. Just as soon as you think you've you've had a score and you've gotten a little bit ahead, the world's like, no, 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 we got to balance this out. <laughs> I'll tell you what else is fun. Um, uh, procuring a loan uh, post-pandemic year <laughs> where you where your income uh, was significantly reduced. Uh, yeah, that's been that's been interesting, but helpful that I just worked the last two months. But still. Uh, it's it's weird for singers to get loans in the first place, you know. The first thing they want when you get a loan, they want, you know, um, pay stubs of the last two months. I said, pay stubs? Who the hell gets a pay stub? <laughs> What's a pay stub? You know, and they, it, it's, um, you know, they look at everything. They go through every bank account. You're not going to hide money when it's time to get a home loan. Like, there's no chance to not divulge everything you've ever done. And they'll look at these things. You know, we get, I get, uh, you know, if I work in Europe, I'll get one deposit at the end of the, at the end of the gig. So the, the, you know, the whole thing comes in in one shot, not per performance, but your whole fee is one transfer. And so they're looking at your, uh, your papers and it shows one international transfer for a significant amount of money. And they're like, 
<laughs> red flag immediately. What's this? What <laughs> What are you doing overseas? It's all very concerning to loan people. Uh, for those of you singers who haven't bought a place yet, I'll tell you it's uh, it's not an easy process. You're gonna have to show you're gonna have to show your work. Like in second grade math, you're gonna have to show your work. You don't, you don't just show up and show them your assets and and they then they throw you a million bucks. Like you <laughs> you got to prove why you um, why you have what you have because they are not getting involved with criminals. <laughs> And I got criminal written all over me. So funny, you know, we're we're trying to break all of this news to a six-year-old, which is not, you know, they, they can handle it. You know, his his brain is big enough to understand what's going on. And we describe, yeah, we're going to, we're going to go find a new home and live in a new house. And isn't that exciting? And, and my boy definitely thinks that that's very exciting, but he's not super pumped about going to a new school. <laughs> And I tried to explain to him the whole reason we're doing this is because of the school, my man. We're moving for this school. And he goes, yeah, you know, I'm, I really want to move. That sounds awesome, but let's not do the school thing. I'm going to skip that part. <laughs> uh, I told my brother we were moving because uh, uh, because my son was going to go to a, a really good school. And, and uh, <laughs> without hesitating... He says, this isn't about you. That must be hard. <laughs> oh, man. When everybody else around you realizes or or has always had the knowledge that your ego is much too large, it's, it's sobering to hear it out loud. You go, right. Everybody does think that it's all about me all the time. And if I'm being completely honest, it has been for a very long time. You know, every move was was for my work. And this is the first move that, that wasn't directly related to what I was doing professionally. And so, um, yeah, it's not that it's hard. It's it's easy. I'm happy to get my boy to a new place for a, for a great opportunity. Uh, but it is, it's not about me. Although immediately I was like, well, Washington area is a much better airport. That'll be easier for me. And... Uh, surely there's some kind of coaching staff in Washington I can start to work with. <laughs> it's a quick train ride to New York. You know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't help but to, uh, you know, make it about me anyway. So that's fine. <laughs> but anyway, in selling this house, um, you know, she walks through <laughs> and basically just judges your whole house, um, and tells you what you need to do to get it show ready, um, this involves removing any, anything and everything that is personal. You're not going to have pictures of you and your family on the wall. I mean, I've, I've got pictures of my son everywhere in this house. And uh, yeah, all that, all that has to come down. They want no, nothing personal. They want it to look like a model home. No clutter, no real life. They don't even want the toaster on the, on the countertop in the kitchen. You go, really? No toaster? Like, what are we trying to prove here? Do people not know that generally there's a toaster in the fucking kitchen, you know? Um, tons of stuff like that. You know, she went through the whole house going, yeah, get rid of that, get rid of that, get rid of that, get rid of that. <laughs> it's kind of a bummer. You go, this is not, this house is going to now look a way it's never looked. And I know some people live in a in a model home permanently, but I don't. And, um, uh, you know, this, this is a functioning home with people with schedules and... 
and life exists and sometimes um you know i, I don't know it's just like my desk is completely cleared off and i go who's here this is completely sterile it it looks sterile i i guess i understand the point i understand looking at a house and wanting wanting it to see it imagine your things there or not imagine somebody else's things there i i get that but at the same time you go nobody lives like this <laughs> so of course we're doing exactly what she says you know cuz you're talking about dollars and cents and you want the most you can get so we're depersonalizing up in here. <laughs> it's going to look the way it never looked. And then there's uh, some kind of photographer coming in on Wednesday. Like I said, this all happens. You, you, you invite the realtor in, and they've got this energy of, I am going to sell your house. And uh, you sort of just have to get out of the way and let them, let them do what they're going to do. Uh, you know, she made all sorts of promises as to how fast was going to go and we're you know we're trying to pump the brakes a little bit but I am under a funny time constraint you know I got to be in Paris in six weeks and so effectively what I'm going to do is sell this house and then rent it uh, through the summer and uh, do my move um, uh, when I get back from Paris in the middle of July or who knows when we'll get back I'm, I'm hoping at the very least we get to rehearse in Paris. I don't know if we're going to get to our shows or not. Uh, I would say if we had a streaming plan, we probably would, but I don't think there's a streaming plan on this. Uh, and I don't, I, I mean, Paris is no better off than it was. Uh, you know, they're on total lockdown right now. I don't know. It could be a cancellation situation. Who knows? Who knows? I would have to say, you know, after a year of, or 10 months of cancellations, um, uh, my phone calls from the agent are now even. <laughs> We've gone back to even new jobs and canceled jobs. So <laughs> the balance is coming back uh, for way too long. It was all just cancellations. Well, now it's like stuff coming back, which is good. Uh, it's it's. I, I want to impress upon everyone that opera houses are definitely thinking forward. Yes, everything still is basically currently on pause, but... Um, uh, the plans for future years is definitely happening three, four, even five years ahead. So uh, there's there's hope. <laughs> and I saw that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, something got me this morning. I saw that in San Francisco, they're putting up a stage outside. They're going to do a Barbara Seville outside. They've got the, the, the cast I love to see out there. Daniela Mack, Alex Schrader, Lucas Meacham's out there. They're going to do Barbara Seville. I think it's drive-in. I think it's a drive-in situation. But they've built this huge stage up in Marin. And uh, I know that's got to feel good for the folks out there. You know, California has dealt with some of the worst of this and, and, and some of the worst of the shutdown. Uh, and they're, they're uh, moving towards, you know, live music in a space. And that's, um, that has got to feel good. Uh, it's hard not to think about these little places, you know, I, I, I've been out in San Francisco for a, a decade and, um, uh, that's a, that's another big road family for me, you know, uh, Chicago and San Francisco are two huge road families for me and, and it's weird to not be out there. I should have been out there twice since this happened and, um, or once, just once, uh, but still, you know, it's like I've been out there every year. I live there for two months every year. It's like um, a part of your life. It's a part of your family. Oh. So I was happy to see that. Happy jealous. <laughs> you know that happy jealous feeling where you're like pumped for somebody, but you're also like, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> 
where the seven-year-old <laughs> creeps into your brain or, or, or just shows himself. He's never actually left. Uh, yesterday, they finally um, aired the Attila concert that we did in Chicago back in January. Uh, I was a little bit worried about this. This was the first thing I did um, uh, after after such a gigantic break. And, um, you know, I was I was psyched to work and I was ready and all those things. But still, you just don't know if you're, you're going to pull this off. This is like cameras in your face business, which is not something I'm um, entirely comfortable with. Uh, I don't mind cameras if I can't see them. Then I uh, then I don't have a problem. But um, you know, just standing on a stage and you have these cameras swirling around you. And I know that I've had that a lot in the last couple months. But it's uh, back in January when we did this, I had never really experienced this sort of swooping camera angles. You know, this American Idol pan across the stage while you're singing and you're supposed to like work this camera a little bit. I'm not. <laughs> it's not where I'm uh, uh, happiest. But I think. I think we pulled it off. Uh, just looking at it, I was excited. I, I thought, this is good. This is um, working. It was smart that it was only highlights, you know, just get to the good stuff. Don't bore us, get to the chorus. And um, uh, the, the arias chosen were great. The chorus number really worked, you know, and, and we sang, we sang uh, an ensemble. The four soloists sang an ensemble, and they put us in this, like, Brady Bunch grid, and it really worked. It really worked. Uh, I was surprised that the, um, I, I didn't have a lot of hopes for that process. Uh, you know, with with the with the four of us singing it. You know, they didn't want us to be in the same room, so we all recorded to a track in our ears. You know, obviously the same track. Otherwise, the the tempos would be wrong. But so we all, you know, we individually went into the opera house and put headphones in and and recorded this track like three times. Well. Uh, Anybody who's sung a Verdi <laughs> ensemble, other than the soprano, <laughs> will freely admit to checking out almost any time a section of the chorus is singing your notes. This is not a, a CVH thing. This is this is just an opera industry thing. That if you want to save a little bit of voice, the time to do it is when there's thirty basses behind you also singing that note. Uh, and so this was a situation where we're only recording your part of the ensemble and, um, you can't, <laughs> there's no time to, to check out even for a measure. You know, sometimes you'll just check out for a measure and catch your breath and, and come back in fresh. Well, there was no chance for that. And so I was, I was worried that it was just going to sound gassed, but when they, when they put everything together, when they, when they patched it all together, it worked. I really liked it. I was, I was happy with the quality. It was best that it was highlights, you know, don't, uh, if you want to keep people's attention, you better get to it. Um, it was an hour-long concert. I watched most of it, which surprised me. <laughs> I don't think anybody watches any of it. Uh, but but I was I was real happy with it, and um, I've linked that in all my places. You can see that now. Uh, of course I did. You know, my I went back and listened to the Eileen podcast a couple times, and um, all that talk about social media really... Um, just even going back and listening to it, I had more thoughts about what we were talking about and, and the need for this. And, and she makes a great point where she talks about the Opera House and their uh, ability and agenda towards promotion. And it can be fairly limited, especially in a large season where they're 
trying to put new things up and, and introduce new artists or, you know, different directors or different productions, whatever. Um, you know, there, there's just a, a priority list of, of promotion that doesn't always include you. Uh, even if you're doing something great, it's doing something big. And, and so you sort of have to look after yourself. And so you can see, especially in my social media, that every video that I've been able to get my hands on the last couple months has immediately gone up and been shared. Uh, and, and those things get seen uh, probably a, a, a lot more than if you had to just search them out or stumble upon it. Um, there is something to this um, um, self-promotion, as much as I hate those two words together. Um, it, it, you cannot deny its importance uh, in staying visible. And so I'm going to hoard up here for a while. <laughs> Uh, you can see the Attila highlight on my Instagram page and my worthless Facebook fan page. And, uh, you know, text me. I'll text you the link. <laughs> Somebody was nice enough to put our entire Faust from Paris on YouTube, too. So that's uh, that's also available to the world. Even though, you know, when, when these things come out, you know, they're like, all right, we're going to put this on TV live. And you can watch it streaming, but only if you're in France, like they limited it to France. And then, you know, technology being what it is, some guy stole the whole damn thing and put it up on YouTube within 10 hours. So it goes from a uh, local, local thing to a uh, global in, in, you know, a couple of clicks. It's an amazing time we live in. I don't see a reason why we shouldn't have access to everything all the time, especially in our business. Why can't we just promote the hell out of everything? Just get it out there, make it exist, get people excited for this art form. Uh, I I remember a couple of times early on in my career where there would be a Zitz probe, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of where, I think it was in Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, a long time ago. We're having a Zitz probe for um, Turandot. And I had my, I had a little hand recorder, this was like pre-iPhone, and I had a little hand recorder, and I and I clicked the thing on, and I put it on my stand while I sang my part. And uh, uh, during the first break, an orchestra member goes over to the maestro and complains about my recorder. And, I mean, to the maestro of all people. And then the maestro speaks to the orchestra manager, and then the orchestra manager comes over to me. All of this happening in about three square feet. Uh, but <laughs> nobody wanting to confront me directly. And then the orchestra manager comes over and says, you know, that's forbidden. You can't record this group. And I said, well, I'm not recording this group. I'm recording me. <laughs> I want to hear this to improve my performance. I'm not, it, this was like 2007. It wasn't, it wasn't like there was a place to even put that, that made sense. You know, it was just a, it was a, a four minute clip of uh, Timur singing over his dead daughter, you know, like, um, um, it was, it was purely for study, but they shut that shit down as fast as they could. I was violating some term in their, in their contract, you know, and like, wow. Uh, first of all, I wasn't doing what you think I was doing, but secondly, why wouldn't you want more of our content available to more people? It only helps us. It's not like I'm, I'm, trying to profit off even if I did put it on some sort of media outlet there's no money to be made from this other than somebody hears me do it and gives me another job so, but the, but I'm not like putting 
<laughs> I'm not taking money from the orchestra that they would have earned and put it in my pocket. It was so strange and and, and extra strange that it was Fort Worth, Texas. You know, not not <laughs> I'm gonna take a shit on Texas. Not some bastion of cultural <laughs> dominance. Um, you know, this was a this was a, a, a an opera festival, a, a very good opera festival. A, 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 we had a very well attended opera festival, but uh, I wasn't I wasn't recording the Berlin Philharmonic. <laughs> uh, you know, in, in the in the Philharmonia on the day of the show. You know, like this was just a <laughs> just a zitz probe in the middle of Texas. Anyway, don't shit on Texas. I love Texas. I love Texas. <laughs> Literally, I love it. I could live there. I, I, um, uh, Texas people and me, we understand each other. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, you know, um, um, I, I think now post COVID, people are just not getting so uppity about a lot of things. Um, let's just put the content out there. Let's get the people to hear it. Let's get it in their hands. You know, drive eyes our way, drive ears our way. Um. Nobody seems to have trouble with uh, with me stealing my portions of things and putting them up privately. And uh, you know, I'm sort of a get forgiveness kind of guy as opposed to permission. My father told me that a long time ago. <laughs> it's a lot easier to get forgiveness than it is to get permission. So just do what you're going to do, and then <laughs> plead ignorance later. <laughs> That's good life advice. Good life advice. You know, just be genuinely humble when when uh, when you get busted. That was it. That was it. I, plenty of times I got in trouble as a kid, and if you just owned it, it went a lot better than if you denied it. Just owned it right away. You know, stood up and be like, "Yeah, I did that. I'm sorry." <laughs> oh, everybody tries to get away with stuff, and everybody gets busted. And how you get busted really sort of. Um, uh, dictates how your how your persona is seen. Uh, when you get busted for something, just own it. It's a lot easier. <laughs> it's like making fun of yourself before somebody else does. Just get to it, and and take take their weapon away. It's good advice. You all needed that advice. <laughs> own it. Own your bullshit. Uh, this has been the Monday Morning Show. Good morning. April 12th. Uh, I love you for listening. You need that. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you Thursday. Uh, thanks. Okay, bye. It was a